Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks America Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Vance, and tonight I have a very special guest uh, that is dear to my heart, a very huge inspiration here. And I met the gentleman back in 2016 at the Deer and Turkey Expo in Madison, Wisconsin, and we've been chit-chatting back and forth way back to the uh, aerodynamics, even back in 2015, and um, it's a it's a humbling experience to have him on here. He is is uh, is well renowned, well known all across the podcast nation on YouTube. But uh, I have met uh, Furite. Did I pronounce it right? Furite, close enough. Furite, Furite. See, so, so before I started the podcast and started talking to you, I, I was actually looking up how to pronounce it because every time it comes to your name, I always mess it up. So it's like I want to not try to butcher it too horribly. So Matt, man, it's like. We have a blank canvas here to talk about. So since everybody's been hearing about your ads on my podcast, why don't, we t- why don't you talk about us, about your beginning and where you grew up and kind of navigate the waters because that's what people are used to hearing when, when I have a new face on the podcast. Okay. Uh, where I grew up, that's going back a long time. Um, I call myself a Vermonter, even though I was born in California, but uh, Vermont is where I really got my outdoor seeds planted and it just mm-hmm. grew into me doing this for a living now uh, but yeah we've been doing broadhead cindy and i we came out with the original guillotine just as a hobby business for fun lopping heads off turkeys with that crazy broadhead and yeah and it's just it's just led throughout the years what 17 years cindy now 17 years or 18 years we've been selling broadheads Really wasn't until I got back from Afghanistan, a year in Afghanistan, that uh, I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. So what am I going to do with my life? And yeah. we decided yeah. to open up veteran innovative products and do the broader business full time instead of as a hobby for fun, mm-hmm. like we did all those other years. And, and then I really focused my, my engineering efforts to really perfect the momentum management broader designs that we knew through our lethality study greatly enhanced recovery rates and uh so the first one was the two blade veteran and then we came out last year with the actually year before the four blade combat veteran mm-hmm. and they're just getting better and better and, and now we're we've already uh, informally released the new complete redesign to the guillotine that's going to be available in limited quantities this year, direct to consumers, not for retail. Okay. Uh, The COVID affected our ability to meet the retail side of that. Our suppliers just couldn't get it done because COVID was locked down in our, the state where our blades are made. Um, Then we've also got this year, we're going to be releasing a new three blade broadhead called the commander. And uh, so I've got a lot of happy customers for years have been waiting for me to mention the fact we finally got a three blade broadhead out there and it, it's coming. So what inspired you to start making the guillotine almost 20 years ago? Uh, two things, actually. 
I never paid attention to the marketing side of Broadheads, other you know, other than you see it, you see them in the magazines, you see uh-huh. them on the TV. Oh, you need to buy this. We're the most accurate. We're the best penetrating. We're the toughest. And when you get in the woods, man, it's you see the reality of their lack of true truthfulness to their marketing schemes uh-huh. and the performance. Mm-hmm. Not only does the animal potentially suffer and go unrecovered. But the bow hunter has a bad experience. And I'll tell you, the human nature is by far most bow hunters don't truly admit the reality of the wound loss rates. And so when I called up the different routed companies, just as Joe Redneck, right, just trying to ask questions, mm-hmm. hey, you said mm-hmm. it'll do this, you said it'll do that, and it doesn't do that. They, you know, one company still in existence today pretty much told me, well, you think you can do any better go do it yourself it's not an easy mm-hmm. thing to do and I was like well hold my beard here I go you know yeah and yeah. I puttered at it this and that I got tired of losing turkeys right I mean mm-hmm. you can kill a deer mm-hmm. if it's brought in you should be able to kill a turkey you yeah. know people mm-hmm. back then they were putting washers behind the broadhead they were putting fish hooks on them treble hooks taping them to them and or they back then they had a string you could put on a bow and launch your arrow and a string tracker would go out and you just grab a hold of the string and try to drag that bird back. I mean, there was all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, you'd even see well-known celebrities on them videos back then when they first started coming, they'd stick an arrow through a turkey. And the first thing they do is jump up and have to be an Olympic sprinter to chase after that bird. And I, I was like, gotta be a better way. So yeah. Yeah. You shoot a turkey in the head and the neck with a shotgun, it drops him right there. And I was like, it's such a big target. Why don't we shoot a wide cut fixed blade broad and just chop the head off and stop damaging all that delicious meat? Kills them instantly. Anyway, the, the guillotine was born out of this kind of puttering on that thought for, I don't know, it took about 10 years for me just puttering on it as a hobby and Finally, I made a broadhead for myself that really worked. And the word got out and they were like, make me some, make me some. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, there's this thing called the ATA show. You could sell a bunch of these. And okay, let's try it, you know. But I, yeah. I owned a consultant company. So I wasn't interested in making a living doing broadheads. It was, I, I worked consulting in the semiconductor and environmental industries. and earn a good living doing that. And, um, mm-hmm. So, but the guillotine led to the Atom. You know, the Atom was the first compressible cutting with momentum management broadhead, razor wire Atom. And then people said, well, we want scalpels instead of razor wire. And so scalpel sharp blades became the Radian. And then the Radian led to the Veteran. And now mm-hmm. the Veteran led to where we are today with VIP. So it's kind of a quick synopsis, but the, the fundamentals that got me into this were recovery rates, right? I mean, you can, all the lethality studies that are out there, there's the one is the most popular. They never talk about recovery rates. They talk about implying what could happen if you put a lot of FOC in the big old single bevel. The reality is the recovery rates is why we're shooting an arrow at an animal to quickly and ethically kill it and find it. And uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. So far, it's like we did a podcast the other day and we're talking recovery rates and we're 94.5% for the two-blade veteran broadhead. We're at 
two years in with the combat veteran, we're still at 97.5% recovery rate. So if you hit it, people are finding it. Okay. I don't know what any more important thing you can do. That is a valid point. Now, when, when it comes to the recovery rates, who calculates that information? Is that something that your consumers t- tell you, Matt? Or is there somebody out there that actually provides that detailed uh, breakdown between all the different broadheads out there on the market? Years ago, I did a, I, I did a lethality study. It took you know, near 20 years, right? And I did that. I'd buy everybody's broadheads, all the new whiz-bang stuff, shot everybody's everything, right? And uh, we would kill a lot of animals and track ourselves. And then we get people involved like peaches. Are you still there? I'm still here. I hear you. Hello. Okay. Your screen went away. I'm sorry. Um, I just, sh- I just shut it off. Get PHs. Oh, okay. Yeah. We got PHs involved in Africa. We got folks involved in Australia. We got some folks in New Zealand involved to, to specifically track the honesty of if, if you or your client hit an animal with an arrow, what kind of broadhead was it? Fixed blade mechanical, single bevel, three, four bladed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you recover the animal? What was the difficulty in recovering it? Mm-hmm. The bottom line, I started quit doing all kinds of really detailed lethality study stuff that involves scanning electron microscopes and all kinds of bone breaching stuff. And, and I just started tracking recovery rates for probably the last eight or nine years. And now I'm done with all that because I know the recovery rates of all these. It never varied by more than two and a half percent over nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. So now I will take the feedback from my customers as well as our own continued hunts, right? All my friends, family, our entire VIP family, they'll participate, whoever wants to participate and give me their feedback results on, on their hunts. So now it is a little bit more anecdotal. It's not all inclusive. And, and, uh, but again, the numbers still demonstrate uh, the reality of us having tremendously improved, improved recovery rates. And, um, you know, over time, everything moderates. And with a two-blade veteran, it's at 94.5% and it's not varying anymore. We're pretty well locked into that. So we're confident that, uh, you know, the eight years of data that we've got on that, it's solid and it, it just won't drop anymore because so many thousands of animals have been killed with it. And, um, so some change, some small change doesn't affect the overall average. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. Um, so that's why we're seeing like the combat veteran is a more lethal design. If you separate out two blade broadheads, all of them fixed blade mm-hmm. with that, a four blade fixed blade broadheads, you'll always see a slight increase in recovery rates from that of the two blade. It's just simply because it's doing a little more lethal damage while it's in there. It leaves a better blood trail and, um, it opens up a little bigger hole going in and out and through. So, you know, that's understandable why the recovery rates of four blade is better than a two blade. You know, if you just separate looking at recovery rates all on their own. That is very true because I can uh, test test that as well because in 2017, I shot my first buck and I shot it so high that it didn't even leave a blood trail, but where I punctured it is that it 
hit up just above the the shoulder blade, punctured both lungs. It almost went completely through, completely passed through, but it just it didn't have enough uh, FOC to get through it all. But it broke, it uh, popped both lungs, ran forty yards, tipped right over. And then it's like, yeah. and I, I took me 40 minutes to shoot that buck, but it's like, I wanted to make sure that it was an ethical shot because I had it all the way out to 50 yards and I managed to snake it all the way into 26 yards. And, and it was, it was pretty impressive and I really enjoyed it. And then this year it was not successful, but I did take a shot at a doe. I just misranged it. But when I shot over her back and when I went to recover my arrow, all the blades at Sprungs was like, if it hit and if, if I want to make contact with that, with that animal, I would I would have been perfectly I would have been satisfied because she would have dropped rather rapidly than happened to, to chase wherever she would have ran off to. But I understand that uh, that it was it just, for me. It's like that's what sealed the deal for me. And then the fact that everything is American made, everything sourced here in the states, which allows us to have that guarantee of that higher rate of success, which you just got done breaking down to us. Yeah, we we focus on. I mean, back in the day, not so much anymore, but back in the day, I used to buy a pack of broadheads. There'd be six of them in a package. You mm-hmm. might be lucky to get four of them assembled. The other two, you just couldn't assemble. So the quality control, there was variance to it. And and now all of my competitors out there, as well as ourselves, we all, we all pay keen attention to fit, finish, and quality of the broadheads. It's just what I noticed was the industry out of habit and convenience of wanting to earn more profits. That's what businessmen do. I get it. They pretty much evolved broadheads to be one shot wonders. And I don't subscribe to that. I would rather have one customer buy a pack of my broadheads and hunt three, four, five seasons with that because I know with the success he's had the last on broadheads, four, five, six seasons, He'll come back to VIP and buy another package, and he will definitely be recommended to his bow hunting friends uh, to buy VIP for the not only the lethality reasons, the performance capabilities, but also its durability and reusability. So we use materials that no other broadhead company uses, and that's why the record right now is 21 animals with the same combat veteran. Same four blades on it. All they've done is clean the dirt and the blood and the mud out of it. Uh, they haven't even resharpened the blades because they haven't felt they needed to. They're still tough, sharp, true, and they're, they're ready for animal number 22. The Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug-and-play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20-yard mark, you can really fine-tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger, 
uh, scope ring, which helps with peep alignment, as well as a built-in scope level, which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations, as well as a dovetail or tournament edition, uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. That's what I was going to ask you, because the last time I, I followed up with you about that particular lethality, you were up, it was up to 17 at the time. And man, that is highly impressive with one run. And it's like, hats off to you for really putting that energy into to developing that fine product. Because I've had some uh, unique insight about for people that are giving, because uh, one, one of the people that part of our group developed a creative video where they were doing just a paper test. And all he was doing is just simply pushing the broadheads through it and the backlash I received from it was quite um, interesting because everybody wanted to have these different uh, um, variants to go along with it. But it's like the paper test showed everything. And I thought it was very impressive that when you, when you pushed the comp, the, the veteran through the paper, it sprung open. And then the competitor that they used, it just kind of just remained closed. And it's like, and I, I like that it, it demonstrated like, that's just how easy, that it's, that it's going to, to spring open and deal such lethal damage. Well, now that that's the, I remember, I know what you're talking about. I did witness that. And um, yeah, there, there's some benefit to that, but in the, the reality, and I guess we're one of the few, if not only crowded companies that readily admit that we've not achieved perfection performance yet. And that despite veteran occasionally, for whatever reason, it's just Mr. Murphy jumps up there and it's in the butt. Occasionally, as like all mechanical broadheads, ours occasionally won't open. And uh, it kind of dumbfounds me knowing all the physics and the mechanics of everything. But again, that's why we engineered that broadhead to enjoy the benefit of a fixed blade cut on contact, one and a quarter inch always cut. So we will still quickly have to kill that animal. Now it said, the two-blade veteran broadhead um, is trying to prove uh, that two-blade veteran has got a redesign coming. So um, it's, it's I, I'm working on that one. It, it won't hit until next year, 2022, more likely. Uh, but believe me, uh, it's going to be improved. So we're already on the right track with it, and uh, it's a work in progress. That's fantastic news that you guys are just reevaluating the process, the, the design for it, which is a way any, any company that wants to remain competitive should always do. Now, uh, with your uh, – what, uh, what spun – what created the inspiration for the combat veteran? Uh, trying to improve on the two-blade veteran, uh, but also, again, uh, customers, not only customers demand that I please make a four-blade model because some just don't want to, you know, shoot a two-blade. 
but also it allowed some better engineering opportunities to improve beyond the two made in the way that one functions versus, as you're aware of now, the way we use some slight compression at impact of the main two blades to unlock and release the rear blades and then open those move out of the way through just the natural momentum forward motion of the, the arrow through the animal, the main two blades are then free and clear to open wide open and enjoy independent blade compressibility. So it was, um, uh, you know, it was um, an opportunity to go beyond the two blade limit limited me to um so like everything you know when like like ford model out with the uh, model a right they mm -hmm. continuously strove to improve the ford trucks now look where we're at with the f350 <laughs> so air conditioned heated seat i mean name it that thing is an it's an amazing truck but you got to start somewhere. And so you'll see the, the evolution from my four-blade razor wire Adam Broadhead to evolving to become the Radian two-blade. And then that evolved to be the two-blade veteran. And now, look, I've got the four-blade. That's even bad. Get all the you draw things. They just didn't. It wasn't computing in their head. And these are machinists, which are typically they're in the A plus read for mechanical lab parts. We assembled them all together, and the very first time I showed them how it work they immediately were like well that's your more getting better at what we do all right matt so when did you guys find out about the exciting news from the bow hunter magazine announcing that they were you were they were part of their group study oh that was our phones blew up and then i got the email that said you're one of the top 10 broadheads the combat veteran was chosen as one of the top 10 broadheads for 2021 which was really exciting um and it was it was funny to see the entire VIP family respond to that when it got posted on social media, because the broadheads were not put in any specific order. Like this is number one. So they're number one. This is no, they were just here's the top 10 in a random order. And our VIP family member said, you should have been number one. There's no doubt. No contest. So that was, you know, it's it's humbling to have a global VIP family that's responds to, to that good news of finally being recognized as one of the top 10 broadheads for 2021. It's been a lot of years coming. I think it's just fantastic news because I know we talked uh, years back about if you about the, the, the companies that do these breakdowns and, and you said a lot of them like you had, in order to be part of it, you had to pay an X amount, you had to pay a fee to have your uh, broadhead to be examined. And that's just great that they just grabbed it off the shelf, did their studies. Do you know about any of the parameters that they were doing to test these different broadheads? Not, not at all. It was field and stream. So one of the most uh, respected, longest lasting outdoor publications in the world, you know, they, they did their own study, their own selection process. I really don't know what, it, what was involved, but I'm, I'm quite thankful that they recognized 
momentum management broadheads is a uh, a top level competitive broadhead design. Now, break down the momentum management. It's like that is a, a unique term. Is that just a buzzword in the, in the industry, or is that a new uh, category for broadheads? No, it's an it's an entirely new category that I've been talking about since I came out with the razor wire Adam broadhead with its compressible cutting with capabilities. Is mm-hmm. you know my background is. I'm about a high tech, a redneck as you're ever going to talk to. I'm a nuclear power trained, advanced electronics guy, uh, you know, was one of the world leading experts on particle accelerators. Um, you know, that's what I did consulting for you know, nearly 20 years. Uh, but I applied that physics background to understand what it was I was looking at during my lethality study. And, you know, Ashby's got a lot of stuff right, but he's got a lot of stuff wrong also. And I just saw a big window of opportunity that, you know, they're all just like everybody in this industry where you see bow after bow after bow every year, new and improved. And they might improve incrementally a half a percent true improvement, right? It's very hard to improve something that already exists in any appreciable manner. It's a much harder to be completely innovative, groundbreaking, and start an entirely new class of something that is more competitive, more performance-oriented, uh, delivers a higher level of expectations with ease. And that's what we did with our momentum management broadheads. We took into account not only applying what I saw in the physics world to improve penetration and get that all-important exit wound, which we saw Uh, was a very critical component to improving recovery rates or the ease of recovery. And uh, so blade compressibility, independent blade compressibility, I'm not talking about swing blades that just swing side to side, yet are still (laughs) one piece rigid. That didn't work, especially when you hit uh, like a shoulder blade or a a larger bone head on, where's the blade going to swing to? It doesn't. Uh, You just have to force it through like any other fixed blade. So I saw independent blade compressibility or the ability to improve our mechanical advantage is, is, uh, is a, a serious mechanism that allowed the arrow to continue traveling straight and minimize exponentially the deflection value. And when you minimize the deflection value, you're not wasting forward penetrating momentum. You're allowing it to continue going straight through. And so that's why you'll see even in major bone breach testing where we'll, we'll show that our dispersion pattern on a target a foot or two behind, you know, about 18 to 24 inches behind a bone, for example, our dispersion pattern is less than that of even a, especially that of a traditional single bevel broadhead. It's because we we get through with more, much more efficiency. I guess we're the only ones in the world that applied, you know, efficiency as a factor to how we manage our forward momentum. Nobody else did. They're all just trying to use a bigger hammer mentality, you know, force it through with more, more velocity, more mass, <laughs> and, uh, and then sell based off, look what we can do, cherry picking this, cherry picking that. I don't do that. I, I I speak the truth of what our capabilities are and no further. And, um, and then the results in the field demonstrate for fact, that's what we do. And, uh, it's really that simple. So 
I don't do the marketing fluff stuff. I'm just not into that. Understandable. Nice things you we have you have quite the uh, the following, and Mike, like myself, always anything new that comes up on the website, either you or Cindy posts. I'm always putting on all the platforms, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So I'm trying to get that out there just to kind of show my my love for the product. And even well, we appreciate that for sure, because it's grassroots growth, right? We're a small family company that's competing against these giant uh, investment companies that have these, you know, I mean, they're light years ahead of us in business and, and resources, right? So how do you compete against that? And um, we're kind of like the Jamaican bobsled team, right? <laughs> Just not supposed <laughs> to be there. <laughs> but by gosh, we're there and we're going to win a gold medal. Um, I so, love the John Candy reference there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then even uh, the guys from uh, Inside Archery back in October did a, a, a beautiful piece on your, on the broadhead. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Patrick Mietin, um, he's, he's, he came to Texas and he put our broadhead to good use and killed a bunch of pigs and was kind of extremely happy with surprised at the performance. And, um, uh, and, and he's been a, you know, he's just reported the facts of what he's experienced. It's very nice to have an article like that written and, um, and have our little broad ends be highlighted. So it's, you know, it, it just all the years of effort. And then especially when we opened up VIP and the sacrifice that my family's made to get us where we are today, it's all starting to to build. There's no such thing as an overnight success, right? It takes, cool. it takes hard work and sacrifice. And finally. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at a uh, veteran innovative products, uh, an all American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran Four Blade. As you can see, four blades got a lot of the same high quality materials we use with our original two blade veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay? Those compress and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed uh, in flight. It's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. This uh, hard work and sacrifices is starting to be recognized and that's, that's all fine, but I'll always go back to, that's just kind of like the dressing on the salad. The real meat and potatoes is, the fact that people like you or thousands of bow hunters across the world, I mean, pick a country. I mean, we're, we're everywhere. We were just told three weeks ago, I think it was, Cindy's not in the room now, but I think it was three weeks, four weeks ago, we were got a call from Europe and they did their own uh, search of the world for the top five broadheads. Okay. And okay. VIP was selected as number one. 
Wow. I was shocked. I was shocked. I have, I, we've been sending broadheads to European folks, you know, that order them direct from us and then yeah. they go out yeah. and use them. I didn't realize the impact we're having. They got, they kill a lot of big boar over there predominantly, but they got a lot of other deer like species, you know, and ibex and fallow and rams and things. And they got them little tiny little, I forget what they call them in the French Alps, little black horn things or, Pretty cool looking little critters. I don't think they're uh, sick. Uh, no, no, no. They're chamois, chamois or chamois, something like okay. that. And, uh, but anyway, I guess the northern countries of Europe do do a, bow hunting is embedded in their DNA up there like it is here in America, but they do a lot of bow hunting. And, um, and our broadhead is, is, like we're told in Africa, the, the gold standard has always been heavy, single bevel, traditional broadheads. And now with, with the momentum management broadheads over there, you can enjoy flatter trajectory, not having to shoot so heavy, and you're getting better penetration and you're experiencing more lethal damage being done while in the animal because we're cutting very wide to <laughs> or blade. Um and yes, that drove them because of laws over there. They're, they're required to shoot heavy for dangerous game. So we now have 175 grain veteran and 175 grain all steel combat veteran. Okay. And, um, and so that satisfies those folks that want to go after the dangerous game, having more front of center, a little extra mass and satisfying the game loss. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're changing the view of the world. I mean, when you, these Northern European guys call you up and say, you know, in broken English, you, you can't have a mechanical penetrate that big shield of a 350 pound Russian, true Russian wild boar. And you say, well, buy some, if they don't work, I'll give you your money back. And then they call back up and they order 25 packs. Cause now all <laughs> so, you know, they're shocked that we just go right through a big old boar, right through the, you know, right through the goodie bag. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's fun changing the beliefs of people that were 100% concrete sure that they were right in all things broad edge just because they read a lethality study and they've shot and killed a few animals and it worked. The reality is there's a lot of room for improvement. And that area of improvement is where I've you know, applied my, my pretty high-tech background to try to create broadheads that do deliver that better performance, which ultimately I only measure in recovery rates. That's my gold standard of the truth about how all broadheads perform. That is the gold standard right there is recovery rates. Now yeah. on a different podcast, you, uh, the, you and I were on, we, you talked about that you actually self-taught a lot of the, the stuff that you wanted to, to learn about what it comes down to aerodynamics. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. This was before the internet, pretty much. I started teaching myself. Well, I used to build and fly radio control airplanes. So I had a good handle on aerodynamics, aeronautics, but um, I, I needed to learn more. And so I'd go to the library and I'd check out books and I'd come home and I'd, I'd spend, I'd try to, you know, you have to, my background's military. Mm -hmm. And so thank God I was in the military because it taught me to be disciplined about things that I'm I want to do. And uh, the learning, I was very disciplined about that. And so I learned material sciences, you know, 
I learned aeronautics. I learned a lot about lethality, you know, um, that I, I could read about. And then the reality is, well, you got to go out and kill stuff. And then, and then I would apply, you know, I had access to scanning electron microscope and I'd be able to do tissue samples and go look at capillaries and what really happened versus what is talked about happening. Right. And because um, until you see it you, you, for yourself, all you can do is repeat what others tell you. Well, my path of education you know, I mean, when you have a professor of aeronautics tell you that, no, you can't do that because either two reasons, either it's impossible to do or it's already been patented. And if you try to use there what's already been patented, you're, you're just you're not you can't do that. Well, and I ended up owning a patent because nobody else figured out how to do it. And um, and that guy was wrong. So degrees don't mean anything. Right. Your education doesn't mean anything. If you think you know it all. It really comes down to this. Even I don't know it all. I'm still learning every darn day. And, and, and so I try to tell people that try to argue with me about broadheads is, look, just be teachable because you're going to get, I will walk your mind to a point where it opens up that door that you've got closed and locked and bolted. You'll open that door up and you'll realize, wow, you are Right. And you, there is a lot more we can learn. And oh man, you've already applied that in your broad edge. So, so that's why we're achieving these higher recovery rates because I mean, it's just like the tip geometry on my broad head. Oh my gosh, that gets people fired up at me. You can't possibly take a mechanical broad head with that tip geometry and go through heavy cow leg bones better than a single bevel broad head. So when an independent testing is done, and not only do we go through faster, but we have more velocity to go straight line and keep penetrating than most single bevels, right? Of equal uh, mechanical advantage, equal weight, right? And you want to test that real quick. Mm -hmm. Heavy hides. That's what I tell everybody. Heavy hides everything. Shoot light. Shoot safe, right? Five, mm -hmm. grains, five grains per pound pull is minimum, never go below that. You don't want an arrow exploding on you, right? Yes. Uh, but if you're 70 pounds, 30 inches, five grains per weight, what is that, 380 grains, whatever? Three, what is that? Anyway, my brain's fried. But what you'll find out is light loses momentum quickly, right? But light, light will show you how rapidly a single bevel broadhead wastes forward momentum. And yet ours goes boop, right through that big old bone every time. So we're more efficient at what we do. And um, so now imagine adding a little more FOC, you know, you shoot where you might have to shoot a single bevel, heavy, wide cut, inch and a quarter broadhead, you know, at that 600 to 700 grain weight, <laughs> you can shoot us at 400, 450 grains and go right through that elk with confidence. That's kind of the difference. So you're, you know, with range estimation error being the number one in-field problem-inducing error, right? You're guessing how far away that animal is because not everybody uses range finders. They guess, oh, that animal is 36 yards, and they, boom, boom, it was 42 yards or it was 28 yards. And so your impact point's not the 12 ring. And um, 
you know, we're flat trajectory helps. So weight isn't always the answer. It helps. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the end all cure all answer for all broadheads. Definitely very uh, valid right there. And when you come down to looking at the, the components you put into your broadheads, like what like drove you to the to using titanium as the tip over any other metals that are available out there in the market? A uh, few things, um, the durability of it. And then the, I call it metal management. Number one, the, the number one most sold broadhead in the world is hundred grains, right? hundred grain weight. Yes. So yes. my bandwidth of engineering has to stay within 100 grains. So uh, metal has a higher specific density than aluminum and, 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 and it's, it's nice and cheap material and it, you can harden it if you buy a better quality steel, but it's heavy. So that means you got to take the weight somewhere else off that broadhead design, whether it's the blades or the body. Right. And so the way I manage my metal to ensure aluminum body with structural integrity enough to go through heavy bone structures without deformation at all. Um, that left me a, a small window of opportunity for my tip. And, and I, of course, you're not going to use aluminum, right? And you're not going to mm -hmm. use steel because then you're over 100 grains. So titanium is a very fine option. It's six parts aluminum, four parts vanadium. So it's 6AO4V. And it allows you near lightweight of aluminum, but a lot stronger than aluminum. And um, it's just a high quality steel that is good to have up front, especially when impacting bone. It won't deform our, our tip geometry. Uh, we'll just shatter a hole through major bone with the same intent as uh, it's the same engineered intent as special forces needs to breach a hole in a wall, right? To get through, to continue the mission. Yeah. They don't want to yeah. blow the whole wall up. They don't want to split the entire dang wall. You just need to pop a hole like special forces. Their engineered goal, whether setting a charge or a projectile charge, meant to do the same thing. It's a 20-inch wide by 40-inch tall hole to get men through it, right? So my broadhead tip geometry is engineered to do the same. It cuts a hole or it blows a hole slightly larger than the diameter of the broadhead a body, but not quite big enough for my blades because by the time my rear blades full cutting width gets there, I can easily cut the remainder of the bone without forcing much deflection at all or minimizing forward momentum. Um, so it's a very... It's the most efficient manner I could get through bone was by using that titanium tip. Now on the 175 grain uh, veteran, we have a steel tip for that. But on the 175 grain combat veteran, the way the metal management worked out, we, we do have a titanium tip on that one. So. That's a great way to break that down, that aspect, especially when, like you said, it's like you have to compete with everybody else within that 100 grain uh, as uh, range right there. Now, we you like I just I saw that uh, recently here a couple weeks back that Josh Brown was successful on a bison hunt, and he was able to knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. He used a uh, now he's shooting. Um, he builds his own arrows, and he's shooting five hundred and twelve grains, I believe it was, and, which isn't that much more than what anybody would be deer hunting for regularly four hundred to five hundred grains, and. He shot the two-blade veteran, 43 yards first shot. It center punched a rib going in, center punched a rib going out, complete pass-through. 
the fletchings held it up from just falling out the other side. It did eventually fall out. But like anything, big animal, dangerous game like a buffalo on when you're on your feet and so are they. Uh, the buffalo took that hit and it ran over there about and stopped 65 yards to turn broadside and look back like, what the heck's going on here? And of uh -huh. course, he didn't need to because he 12 ringed it the first shot, but he launched another uh, two blade veteran tipped arrow at it and put it two inches from the first one. And that one, I don't remember if it hit a center punch of rib going in or a center punch of rib going out, but mm -hmm. only hit a rib going in or out one, one rib. And it blew right through it like it wasn't even standing there. And that buffalo went over there a few yards and fell over stone dead. But he picked up both broadheads, cleaned them off, and they're like brand new, still hair shaving sharp and uh, ready to go again. That's oh after going through buffalo. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. That's just phenomenal, yeah, because like I, I, I actually created a small little video and I, I got flagged because I, I showed off his, his, uh, the hide being removed from it just because like Buffalo has a thick hide and earlier stepping back and talking about like, if you want to test the broadhead, you want to use that thick, thick, thick hide and what better than to test on a bison. And it's just like, yeah, it's like you, 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 you and Josh also posted photos of it and you can see both broadheads, both fully expanded, just ready to rock and roll for another, another go around. I mean, that's just, Oh yeah. That, that, the deep thought process. And I, yeah, even, even reading his post and reading a story behind it is that he didn't necessarily need to, but he felt like he should, which any ethical hunter, like I would have done the same thing, especially when, when you have such a massive animal like that. It's like, you don't want him tearing off. No, you don't want him running. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want him running three miles, you know? I mean, he's not going to make it because he center punched him the first time, but it's like any pH will tell you if you get another shot at a big animal like like a Cape buffalo or a, a hippo or a giraffe, you know, an elephant, put another round in it, put another arrow in it. Right. That's just common sense. That's the ethical thing to do. Elk. I mean, if you're a man, if, if I see an elk turn broadside after I put one through them, even though I know it's 12 ring, I'm sticking. I'm sending another one immediately. And because, uh, man, I've. I've been on those hunts where a marginal hit elk goes over three mountain ranges until you finally find that sucker. <laughs> they can travel. That is, that is hundred percent true. But that goes with any animal once they get that, that drilling dump and they just start booking it. That's why it's like, I try to focus my, my plate, my shot place, whether I'm using a rifle, I'm using a bow and arrow. I want to go for the double lungs or go for that heart, but I've gotten grown quite fond of the taste of heart. So I try to go for that double lung, uh, aspect of getting after itself then that's just just hearing the success stories and then also dan dewitt man that gentleman right there is he <laughs> is one of the next guests i want to get on the podcast but he is such a wealth of knowledge when you when you, when you see him post stuff in the group or on his own page personal page like he's just always has just a bunch of knowledge ready to drop ready to answer anybody's questions well, yeah, Dan DeWitt has been, a, well, an Aero DS, you know, Aerodynamic Solutions, and then he transferred over to the VIP family. He's been in the family for dang near since we started the company. He's been shooting us exclusively. And um, 
He's also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he was inducted last year, I believe it was, into the Outdoor Hall of Fame. So he's he's been around the block and done some amazing things, you know, here and in Africa. And, and he's he's got a wealth of knowledge. I did not know that, but hats off to Dan because I mean that is impressive. Now he's also like that's um, J- uh, Big John Morton. He also knows Dan do, uh, Dan as well, and he's talking about turkey hunting. It's like he, he, uh, he po- pointing me towards I should go reach out to him, which is like it's it's just a na- natural progression with it. And so I'm looking forward to reaching out, talking to him, and listening to his stories, and just kind of let him talk about his life and it's like that is just really impressive for the it's yeah. like you know he's native american indian too he's he's just an amazing guy um uh, speaking of turkey hunting uh we are we've we cindy and i for valentine's day we had a nice photograph taken when we were doing some marketing stuff and they took a nice photo of us so i posted it wishing it my did. wife happy yeah. valentine's day and we were holding some broadheads because we were doing that marketing hunt right and effort we did some videos and stuff but uh, it was noticed by the public, the keen-eyed, sharp VIP family members noticed me holding that new guillotine out there. So we've got a, you know, being the original inventors of that entire category of broadheads with the, the original guillotine. Now this one's going to be called the guillotine 2.0, and it is a completely light years ahead re-engineered design. But uh, we're going to be coming out with that formally here in a very near future. And um they're going to be available in limited supplies, direct consumers. They're not shelf ready. Yeah. I, you know, after you bring that up, I see it right in that picture because I'm, I'm looking at exactly <laughs> that picture. This is a really good picture of you and Cindy. I, I, it's like I'm a little, that's just, just the love that radiating from that. But then again, it's like, oh, there it is right there. It's like I saw the picture, but it's like I, I look deep enough into it. But there it is. You are correct. Yeah. I'm like, that's that's a, quite an intricate design. So what? What in your in your in your redneck uh, innovations come up with that offsetting the blades like that? Well, my original design was engineered to to you are again. My focus is recovery rates. All right, mm-hmm. so you're rewarded if you hit the animal in the head and neck, you kill it instantly. But if you hit it in the body, it was four inches by four inches of blades all on the same plane, mm-hmm. uh, meaning. The bird is on two feet. So just like a catcher in a, you know, with a pro pitcher throwing that fastball down there, um, the catcher would break every bone in his hand if he just had a rigid hand out there and tried to stop a hundred mile an hour fastball from Andy Johnson. Right. Yeah. So yeah. A, a turkey standing on two feet acts like a catcher's mitt. It'll get easily knocked off and absorb all that energy displaced over that four inches by four inches with all the interlocking feathers and, and, and so you won't hurt them a bit. And so that was the goal of the design. Well, a lot of customers over the years called me up and go, dang it, I out of habit, I body shot them. And man, I wish this thing could penetrate. And I'm like, well, shoot our hundred grain, two and a half inch model. It'll blow right through and kill them. And, um, but so anyway, the, this new four blade encompasses shooting them in the head or the neck or the body. And, uh, and so there's no doubt even, and it's a small game head too, if you will. And I call small game, you know, you know, if I'm sitting there in the woods and I got that guillotine on that arrow and uh, a pig walks out, that's 150 pounds or so, I'm going to blast this thing right through the chest of that pig and it's going to do major damage. It's that tough. Mm -hmm. So it'll, it'll kill 
turkeys and small game, you know, ducks, geese, pheasants, cranes, you know, anything you can hunt. Uh, but so, yeah, it's a, it's a new design. And uh, like, like our original guillotine and all of our, you know, I call them mimicking companies, copycat companies that came out with a guillotine like product. Cause they saw that new category that we created and we were selling a lot of them. They wanted in on the action. Uh, all of them, if you shoot them once, you pretty much, your blades are toast, right? True. Um, so in this design, we can shoot this broadhead and kill a hundred turkeys, skip it off the ground, throw it through the brush, pick it up, reset my blades, keep killing. You're not going to hurt it. It's tough as tough can be. So durable and reusable was one of my engineering goals for this design. And we've hit it out of the park on it. Yeah, you did. So when you were developing the metal, the metals for this, like what, how did you come across this particular compound to develop this, this reusable steel? Well, you know, you can look up material sciences of steel um, just off the internet now. I mean, there's a, all the steel companies list their uh, specs, spec sheets for whatever the particular model steel is. And blades are unique in that they have to be within, you know, a certain you know, you have to have it on a flat band on a roll type of thing for volume blade production to get your blade cost low enough to be able to put three broadheads in a package kind of thing. Actually, the guillotine is going to be sold singles. We can't afford to put three in a package because nobody's going to pay 150 bucks for three broadheads, right? Yeah. So, and, and they're so tough and durable that you really only need one, maybe two. So that's, you know, let the customer decide. On all new broadheads, I'm always asked anyway, just sell me one anyway. I just want to test it. Well, here's your chance. You can buy one guillotine and test it. Uh, but the steel, we just looked to what the highest quality steel available in that form was. And we tested all the different variations out there. And then I settled on this. We have to order a, you know, we order it in 5,000 pound spools more than a year in advance because it's so hard to get and it's so much more expensive because of that. Um, I could use this cheaper steel that everybody uses for their blades, but it's, I don't want to have blades that bend. I'd rather have a, you know, blade that breaks off. And that's a whole nother conversation that, that um, I just want a much tougher blade. And so that's, that's what we've got. The edge retention on 420 stainless, which is the number one most popular use blade material by all my competitors. What do they tell you to do? You shoot a foam target sighting them in. And then before you go hunt in order to be considered an ethical bow hunter, you have to either replace the blades or resharpen them. Well, what is it doing when you hit an animal like an elk or a pig's got mud on it, and thick skin and bones before you can get soft tissue vitals. It's rolling that edge over and it's dull before you can get to the vitals. So I, I refuse to have a broadhead do that. I want, I want it still scalpel sharp by the time it gets through the vitals and out. And oh, by the way, after you've gone through and stuck in the ground, I want you to pick it up, test the edge, and if it's still shaving hair, well, there you go. Go kill another animal. And our customers are proving that that's, that's easily the case with our steel. That is 100% true because the, the deer I shot back in 2017, those blades are still sharp because I was rummaging through my, my desk or my drawers because I go, I'm going to, I haven't, my little apartment's not much to hang. Can't really find the studs. Is this 
house was converted from a house into an apartment. So it's like trying to find the stuff is not very easy, but I was stumbling through and I ended up finding the, uh, the broadhead and I accidentally cut my thumb on it because I didn't recognize, it. I didn't realize it was there, but it's still covered in blood still from the, cause like I, 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 cause it's just like, I just I like, I, uh, I like to kind of keep that together. It's like my own little, uh, tribute to that successful hunt. You know, it's like, this is my tribute to that. And uh, it's still sharp. It is still sharp after three years setting in a drawer. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's, I get it. What you mean? So man, we're, we've, we've covered a lot of awesome topics here. So what are you looking at towards the future for the, for the upcoming 2021 season? Um, you mean hunting wise or yeah, personally, like, are you, are you, I know, well, our pre-discussion, it's like, it sounds like you're going to be going through some uh, recovery here, but like for as uh, veteran innovative products, what are you guys looking at besides the, the new veteran? Like what's, what's some of the biggest things you're going to be pushing out for the upcoming year to be actually well, the, looking the new, for? Yeah. yeah. The new guillotine is, is definitely coming. Um, and we're on track to release the new commander. It's called the commander. It's a new three blade veteran broadhead. And uh, you know, with our patented momentum management capability. So, well, I can't go into detail on that. We are in, we already got them. Uh, we've achieved that hundred grain holy grail mark. We're just doing geometry refinements now. Uh, field testing. We've got some in the field already, and um, people look looking at it, and they're telling me that it's it's absolutely my Mona Lisa of all engineering efforts on broadheads. It's you know, like we were talking before, the broadheads are, are evolutionary process. And so we go from the two blade veteran to the four blade. And, you know, the four blade is um, pretty near flawless in comparison to the two blade. Well, now this three blade kicks it up a notch even better than the four blade, which some people find hard to believe. But, you know, it's we're trying we're trying to push the envelope of improving to that, you know, it's like Mercedes and Ferrari every year. They're the top two Formula One race cars. And, and they every year in the offseason, they're pushing the engineering envelope. And it's unbelievable. They make the cars go faster and faster. And every year they go around the tracks and break lap records. And, um, and so that's basically the, I bring that same form, Formula One, uh, you know, race car engineering mentality to my broadheads. Where can I keep pushing the envelopes of engineering and material science capabilities to deliver a better broadhead that mm -hmm. will then deliver a total bandwidth of performance that improves recovery rates. And that makes bow hunters happy. So that's what I do. That's fantastic. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners before we uh, end the podcast? Any advice you want to give them for making a decision? Um, I would say... Uh, nothing I can say is going to convince anybody to try. And what I'd really like them to do is just go and see what our customers are already doing with them and why our customers are not shooting anybody else's broadheads anymore. They're not trying new broadheads this year, last year, the year before. Once they started shooting VIP, that's it. They stuck with us and uh, they have no reason to go anywhere else because we're delivering more than they've ever experienced. And I don't care what marketing or celebrity tells you what on a broadhead. The reality is when they're experiencing more hands-on fur, that's, that's the most important result. And that's why our growing, our VIP family is already global 
despite just being a small family business. So we, you know, basically what I can say is thank you to our VIP family that's current and we welcome anybody else to join the family because it's, it's growing and we're, we're putting more options out there that may, you know, because broadheads are personal, right? Some people don't want two blades. Some people don't want four blade. They want that three blade or <laughs> so we're, we're improving our selection options for those discerning customers. Thank you, Matt, for that, that, that closing right there. Appreciate you coming on here. Uh, but uh, guys, go check out uh, veterinarinnovatorproduct.com. Matt, is there any other ways to get a hold of you or to the company? Yeah, uh, it's veteranip.com is our website. You can email me at matt, M-A-T-T, at veteranip.com, or you can just call us, 512-515-6299, and uh, Cindy or I will definitely answer that phone. And uh, that's another thing we take pride in. Uh, when anybody wants to call and talk to us, we answer the phone, and we look forward to talking broadheads and swapping bow hunt stories and getting to know you for you. Uh, we value our customers. We want to hear from, from you and how your season went and what your experiences were. And, and as you guys see in the evolution of my broadheads, I listen to my customer base. They, they, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And have you thought about this? And as you can see, our broadheads are evolving to deliver everything that everybody wants. There we have it, folks. We have Matt Fudere dropping some bombs and diamonds. Thank you again for your coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you again for, for your service to our country, keeping us safe throughout the 90s. We, we appreciate your, your, uh, your heroics. Uh, well, it's nothing that. I, there was a whole team of us over there doing all that fun stuff. But, hey, we'd like to thank, you know, Cindy and I definitely want to thank you and Bucks of America podcast for giving us some airtime and allowing us to sponsor your show and just let us know what you need. And you know, we're here to support you. It's just as good as you're supporting us. Thank you. 